at Shields, you can get collagen, beef collagen sausage casings. Uh, you can select multiple sizes. You don't have to do any prep work, like like uh, the intestine ones you have to so soak and stuff. You just put it on your stuffing tube and begin. Hey, flush the toilet! Too busy to flush. Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm And if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for being here. You will notice we do not have guests. Molly um, and I simply talk about our lives and invite you around our digital table. We have been married for 15 years and we have four kids, ages 13 through 5, one boy, three girls, and yes, I am well armed. Uh, all, it's not just because you have the girls, though. It's all because of the boys. All the boys are going to come knocking. Um, if you want to know where the show is going to go, we don't um, we don't plan our shows at all. And uh, so if you want to know where the show is headed or what we're going to talk about, there's probably some cues in the show title. And then if you look into the show notes, you will see uh, a time-stamped list of uh, different things we talk about. So... And some links. Some links. We yeah. To talk about. Yeah. Links. Anything interesting that's there. Um, you, you'll hear us refer to Telegram off and on throughout the show, most likely. And we have a private Telegram group. And that link is also in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So the first link that you can share, I assume you will have the um, our the conversation we were just having running a little bit before oh, we start. Oh yeah, probably. I'll have a little bit there. So, what I you guys I have seen various places. I think the first place I saw this was actually somebody was trying to sell one of these things on Facebook Marketplace, and I thought it seemed kind of silly at the time, so I passed by it and then went back just the other day, got kind of an an urge to do <clears throat> some research. So they make these things called jerky guns or jerky cannons and it looks like a caulking gun it looks exactly like a caulking gun and but instead of sticking the package of caulk that you buy from the store into the caulking gun it's a solid tube and it has a plunger at the end just like a caulking gun would and you fill it with flavored ground meat and then you squirt it out onto a tray or into a casing and then you smoke it or cook it at a low temperature for a while until it's cured. Uh, people will do it at 160 for a couple of hours in a dehydrator or something. I did it on the Traeger. And then you have meat sticks. And that's one of our family's favorite snacks. And so I mentioned to JR last night that I was thinking about getting one of these because we go through... If I buy... So Costco sells a grass-fed beef meat stick i can't imagine it's more than a pound i think it's about a pound of meat sticks they're what like maybe a foot long those ones that we have to keep in the fridge oh yeah somewhere in and there. it's about 16 17 dollars for a pound of those and if you've been with us for a while you know that jr hunts and we have a freezer full of elk which we will plow through by next hunting season but currently we're feeling flush with ground meat and so, and oh, what prompted all of this was me, Titus, who is 13, turned 13 in December, just 
cannot get enough protein in his life. He every morning that I don't have some sort of protein in our breakfast, like pancakes or French toast or something, he gets kind of upset if there's not a protein source to go with it. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to fault him for that because protein is the best way to start your day. And I'm trying to be better about that myself. And I've been so, preaching this for years, guys, but nobody listened to me until Molly heard about it on the internet. And then now that she's a believer now. <laughs> and now I'm a believer and I'm preaching it to other people because it impacts your metabolism and your hormones for the rest of the day. If you start your day with protein. And so, for example, today I thought out a package of pork. Actually, it's. If you guys don't know where we are or haven't followed our weather, which why would you? We've, like most of the country, been in a stretch of bitter cold for the last week. I think a week ago, JR's dad clocked the thermometer when he got up in the morning at 34 below. It was bitter. And that was before wind. And there was wind. The difference, there was one point where there was the difference between, uh, the temperature difference between his house and outside was 101 degrees. Yeah. Uh, yeah, crazy. And to be fair, they were cranking their fireplace and it was 77 in their house or something It was awesome. Like that. <laughs> but, I don't want to go back to mine. Mine felt cold as a consequence. But, so, <laughs> so anyway, JR and Titus had ground up this pork tender, uh, pork loin that I'd gotten at Costco for under a dollar a pound a couple of weeks ago. They ground it up and packaged it so that we could make sausage out of it. And they did it, I don't know, like last Thursday or Friday, you guys went over and did that at my parents' house and came back yeah. with the packages. And I, I not having the mental, the time to get to putting this box of pork, ground pork in the freezer at the moment, I just stuck it on our patio table at our back door and it froze solid almost instantly because it was 20 below when it set out when it sat out there. Who needs a freezer when you've got these temps? Yeah, well the problem is it's going to be in the 40s this week and then it's going to wreck the meat. So, anyway, yesterday <laughs> Well, you're so, not going to leave it out there. No, yesterday I actually moved it to the freezer finally. As it yesterday was the first time in a week, you guys, that the temperatures in Billings and Billings is actually one of the warmer parts of Montana. Yesterday was the first time in a week that our temperatures rose above 0. And then they dropped, it, it hit to it hit about 10 degrees, and then it dropped back down to about 10, 11 below overnight. It's supposed to drop below zero again tonight, and then it's supposed to be in the 30s and 40s for the next week, which will be lovely. Uh, anyway, so I was bringing the pork in, decided to make some sausage while I was at it. Titus was commenting that we're almost out of some jerky that I had made. So the jerky thing is... We will use elk roasts that have so many sinews and things in them that they're not the most pleasant for just using as a roast. And so we will thinly slice that, marinate it, and smoke it and use it as jerky, which is just a readily available source of protein and easy to take as snacks for skiing or trips or hun hunting and we're almost out of a round of jerky that I made. And Titus said, can you please make more jerky? And I said, actually, I can't because I don't think we have any more jerky roasts in the freezer. <clears throat> and so and then I thought, but well, we do have a ton of ground meat. And so I can go ahead and, uh, you know, I'll, I'm going to try this. So I mentioned these jerky guns to JR and JR is trying to be really diligent about our budget this year. And he said, well, couldn't you make, get the same effect 
by using your frosting uh, decorating tips. So that's actually what I did today. I think that the jerky gun, even if I weren't using the casings, would spit it out more tightly and more uniformly than me just squeezing with greasy hands on a plastic bag with a plastic tip at the end of it. But it worked. I mean, that could be the difference between a short tip and a long tip. Because the short tip, the long tip gives it longer to pack together mm -hmm. into that. You're right. And then also, so, so I'm going to bop over to Shields actually tomorrow because I tried out literally the first, the second recipe I looked up, I thought, you know, that looks pretty good. It was literally onion flakes. Let me pull up the recipe really quickly. So was, I used a pound and a half of our, or two pounds of our ground elk because that's the size of package we have. You mix. Do you guys do this when you make this summer? You probably don't when you do the summer sausage. You mix this with cold water. No. Okay. So I think to make it more squeezable, you mix the the ground meat with cold water. And that was a thing that people did throughout all the recipes that I looked up last night. Uh, so the the ground meat, cold water, brown sugar, gar powdered garlic, onion flakes, salt, pepper, and dry mustard. And that's it. That has great flavor. And so now that I know that we like the flavor, it's a feasible thing. I watched a guy learning how to use his jerky cannon with some sausage casings last night. And it was a 20-minute process for him to stuff like two pounds of meat in the first time he ever did it. So it feels very doable. And I, at $16 a pound, I would pay off the jerky cannon in four rounds of making beef elk snack sticks. So it feels like a pretty reasonable investment. So I'm going to... Plus it's probably our homemade elk jerky is probably healthier than what you'd end up getting at the store, eh? Yeah. I mean, the ones the ones from Costco... I mean, it's not full of preservatives. The reason they're, they're so expensive at Costco is because they are good ingredients. Yeah. I feel good having our family eat them and snack on them. It's just that you guys could eat a one-pound package of those <clears throat> in a day of just grabbing them out of the mm -hmm. drawer or being on a road trip and that yeah. that adds up pretty quickly speaking of road trips and vans you guys i was out um i've been dealing with some system you know wear downs or failures or whatever it is you know in, in the van and so i had everything pulled out and pulled apart and for about a week the doors were open inside the shop you know it's all sealed up in there but i discovered um about uh, two weeks ago that there had been a mouse in there at one point and it didn't look like the mouse had set up shop. So I cleaned everything out, cleaned it up, put stuff back. And then I was in there again tonight, putting things back together. Cause I'm going to patrol tomorrow and take a kid or two with me. And, um, as I started looking around, I started seeing more mouse turds. I was like, doggone it. It's still here. At which point I moved, I pulled my bag off the top bunk and there was a massive pile of little foam bits. And Ugh. so the, the, the beds in the van are, uh, basically memory foam mattresses. And I, the, the lower one, the nice new one that I bought for myself last year, well, and Molly, um, is sitting against the stairwell in, fortunately, the, <clears throat> fortunately in the, in the shop there. The other one was just a bare, uh, memory foam topper laying up against the, you know, just laying there on the top bunk. Well, this huge pile had come out apparently the mouse had collected 
all of this stuff digging a hole you know just collected i figured it was the, it was the bed because there's some other blankets in there so i pulled everything out just grabbed the whole mattress and slid it right off the top bunk out of the back of the van it fell to the ground and stuff went everywhere Ugh. i was like wow so i started pulling things out pulling stuff apart cleaning everything up and didn't know if the mouse was still in there the plan was like look you know i'm gonna keep the van locked up we'll buy some traps we'll eventually catch the mouse if it's still in the van and in the meantime, maybe we can put the cat in the van for the night type of thing. So um, as I was cleaning things out, I grabbed one of our, we have these bags, these seat ba- seat, uh, pocketed seat back sort of hanging bags that had been, had been sitting up there too. So I grabbed one and start emptying it out. It's the one we use for the trash. And all of a sudden I'm like, I heard this scratching sound and saw like a leaf fly out of it. I'm like, what the, and it hit the ground and ran off. And I'm like, oh snap, that's the mouse. The mouse had leapt up out of the trash bin bag into the air. It was probably seven feet in the air before it hit the concrete and took off under the wall. And I'm like, oh, man. So we have a cat running around the shop right now. But Running around as in we locked her in. I went back to the van and grabbed the mattress. And was as I cleaned everything off of that memory foam mattress pad, it's actually a mattress pad, um, I lifted it up and there's piles and piles of shredded paper and magazines and plastic bags and paper towels all underneath the mattress and i rolled the mattress pad over and it had tunneled a burrow den home in the underside of the mattress pad i'll post the photo on uh telegram but oh that pile of crap had been its its nest i think so anyway, I'm fairly sure there's only the one. Um, I've been busy for a while, but anyway, so that was that was a fun adventure today. Oh, so frustrating. I hate mice. You know, it's got to be pretty miserable to be a mouse, though. Could you imagine chewing through all of that memory foam? It's not like it was using its hands; it was using its mouth and then carrying it and spitting it out. Memory foam is disgusting. Like I it had hate also the gone feel through. It. Well, it had plenty of energy. It ate a huge hole out of a, one of my protein bars and then uh, an entire bag of gummy worms. Ah, uh, gummy worms. A little worms. snack gummy worms. So it'd been, it was full of strength and energy. Gross. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. There so I guess we're go. in the market for a new memory foam mattress stuff. We are, yeah. For them Maybe we could give out. ours to them and we could get... To who? The mice? To the kids. Uh, move that up and then we could get like just a sheepskin mattress just like sheep's wool and sheepskin like all furry remember i was never mind you guys he's looking at me like i'm crazy because i am talking crazy right now there is there's a reason i bought that one and that's so i didn't i didn't lay on just plywood. On the, yeah i know i know um, i'm just looking for an opportunity to upgrade to something i want Oh, Since fair we enough. have to upgrade, I mean, how thick are they? How thick? And, are, and, and, well, and I don't you're know. Actually, you're actually you're asking two things. Are you wanting to lay just like Vikings on sheep hide? No. So, so there's a couple of things we can do because there's there's always there's the mattress part, and I you know. can't fill the mattress with sheepskin. You can fill it with wool, though. You can get an actual wool filled mattress, uh, and then you get it topped with sheep fur wool and then skin. we can drink wine and roll around in it naked like we're in conan of the barbarian with children sleeping two ah, feet we'll above leave them us. at home it'd be great 
Oh, you guys. Be a big fireplace. And of like course, JR is going to turn you into that. Of... Into I'm that. I'm a guy. Um, so we have another funny story, funny story about the cold. Uh, we, as you guys know, we have 19 chickens and everything that I've read says chickens can adapt to the cold pretty well. Uh, you have to provide this, this, and this for them. So we lined their, we don't have a coop. We have what's called a chicken tractor, which is like a metal A-frame thing that's not insulated but I lined some of the walls with blankets to just give them a little bit of buffer and filled in some of the cracks not all of them because it's corrugated so you know there's bumps where the edges meet so there's a little bit of a draft but if they were to hunker down they'd be okay and one of the big things that all the internets say is don't uh, have places where moisture because chickens their body temperature is like 106 on average, there's a normal body temperature, which is why they're very susceptible to heat. But then they're pre- like the big breeds are pretty cold hardy. So I, one of the things they also suggest is having like 10 inches of straw in their coop that they can burrow into. And ours still slept on their roosting bars. And we have some heating panels for them that just put off a little bit of heat, take the edge off. But I mean, 34 below is just plain cold for any living creature. Speaking of living creatures in 34 below, our next door neighbor's cat disappeared the night that it started getting really cold. And it's an indoor cat who just decided to make a break for it. The worst possible night of the year. And our neighbor, who just absolutely loves animals, and her boys, their boys love animals, They, she texted me and asked me to keep an eye out for the cat. And it was cold enough out that you could walk around yards or along our ditch line for about 10 minutes before being really re- chilled to the bone and needing to go inside. And so they figured their cat was a goner. And as it started warming up, and at, by warming up, I mean... The lows were getting above 20 below (laughs) after about probably three or four nights of this cat being gone and then completely giving it up for dead. It showed up at the parents' back window at like 11 at night, scratching at the door, trying to get in. And she, oh, Sunday night, because she woke the kids up because they didn't have school the next day so they could greet their cat, who seems by all accounts to have been just fine and had a great adventure and and nobody has any idea where it's been but it was starving so it doesn't see starving as in it ate voraciously doesn't seem to have been inside someone's house being cared for during the four days of bitter cold but then so monday we our chickens have made it through i can tell that they're getting frostbite on their waddles and their combs a little bit some of them with the bigger combs just that extremity is turning white and then it's turning black. Can't do anything about it now. So when it warms up, I'll be Googling how to care for chicken frostbite, I guess. But anyway, Monday morning, Elise and I go out to check on the chickens and give them some food scraps. And there's one chicken lying in the corner, not moving. And I mean, she's fluttering her arms a little bit, but she can't stand up. Her arms, her wings. She can't stand up. 
And so we pick her up, we carry her inside, we wrap her in a towel, and she just just went to sleep on my arm for like three hours. And I had to do some stuff, so I put her in a box that the kids, it was like a gift box or something, but Faith is currently using it as her laundry basket because five-year-olds do things like that. And so it was sitting down in the mudroom, and I put the chicken wrapped in a towel in it, and she just rested her head on the side of the box and just did not hate being in a warm house at all. And I think what had happened is I had a bucket of water with one of those metal things that you drop in a horse trough to keep the water from melting because uh, in this bitter cold, the normal heater that I have just wasn't keeping up and the water was freezing up on the chickens. And so I bought that at Tractor Supply right before the bitter cold just to keep them with water for the bitter cold. And I think she must have tried to fly or jump over the water and fallen into it because her whole underside was wet. So she probably would have frozen. I mean, chickens, God really designed animals pretty neat. If you, when you study all the different ways, for example, did you know that polar bears, uh, hair and reindeer I didn't know this Titus told me reindeer also their hair is actually hollow tubes it's not a solid strand like ours it's a hollow tube because that that air trapped in the tube of their hair provides a layer of insulation for them and because air is actually I mean like a it was actually a phenomenal insulator and so chickens have these the down you know like you get a down coat or a down blanket Chickens have down underneath their outer feathers, which are waterproof and stuff. And they, when they're cold, they fluff up their outer feathers and create more air space where the fluffy inner feathers trap heat that's coming off of their warm bodies. And so as long as they can be dry and out of wind... And they like hunker over their feet because their feet are exposed and don't have anything warm. So they hunker over their feet and they can stay warm up to really, really cold temperatures. And this chicken, though, her belly got wet. And so she's lost a major defense against getting cold. So anyway, she eventually wanted to start moving around. And Elise was like, I'll watch her. I'll watch her. Let's let her walk around the kitchen. And she, she was actually really funny she'd like find a pile of you know corners under your cupboard collect garbage and she'd find a little corner and she'd peck at it and find something she wanted i'm loading the dishwasher and she's pecking at stuff that's falling onto the door of the dishwasher as as i'm loading it and um elite that that worked for about 15 minutes and i think she pooped on the floor like four times during that time and Elise, who had promised to handle all of that, got tired of cleaning it up. And so the chicken then got got penned in with a little cage that we have and hung out in the kitchen for the rest of the day. And I just didn't feel super comfortable about putting her back out into 25 below temps after overnight. I wanted to make sure that she was good and strong after almost freezing to death. So she spent the night in a dog crate in our garage in a box of straw. And then... Okay, I have lasagna in the oven. It's about to freeze or burn. So, okay, I will be back uh, after I cover our lasagna. Okay, I'm back. 
feet are cold, though. My feet have been cold for like three days. Are you? You're wearing wool socks. They're fine now, but like all day yesterday. (gasps) Remember that time I came inside and put my cold hands on your belly? I do. Yeah, that's what those feet feel like. I know they're really cold. They're emanating cold. They're not even touching my leg, and I can feel it. It is touching cold. It's also cold down here. If anybody has any scientific reason why women's feet are always cold, I mean, like, we're not talking chilly. We're talking ice cube levels of cold. Please tell me. You know, there are, I, there are scientific reasons for it, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with uh, metabolism and stuff. But um, So is yours wrong? I watched, I don't know, I watched this uh, this video of, I might have sent it to you on Instagram. This gal at a on a red carpet for an awards thing or you know a premiere or something, and she's just yammering away to the camera. And this woman walks up next to her, and they're both wearing strapless gowns. And this woman knocks, walks up next to her and is shivering, like visibly shivering. And she's like, "How are you not? Like, how are you not just absolutely freezing?" And the gal goes, "I eat a lot of steak." Yeah, you told <laughs> me that. Anyway, so apparently diet can have something to do with it, but um, I probably just need to be wearing socks right now. Oh, a lamb jerky gun. Uh, the lamb is the same company that does all of our, that's the same company we have all of our meat grinding stuff from. Cool. Well, Shield sells them for the same price as Amazon, so I think I'm going to pick one up tomorrow. It looks exactly like a caulking gun. Somebody made a lot of money on a very simple idea. If you look on Amazon for caulking guns, it the, the idea has now been copied over and over, not caulking you guns, You know what guns. makes me really wonder, too, is if now the throat's going to be throat's gonna be a different size. For, is if I could use one of the nozzle tips off of uh, the grinder on the jerky cannon. But it's funny they call it a cannon. I know. And just not a... Some of them are jerky yeah. guns and some of them are jerky cannons. I think it just you can't a- call anything a gun anymore because okay. it'll put people into like their eyebrows will start twitching and then they'll go and they'll need a safe space. I don't yada, think yada, that yada, people yada. who are making jerky are the same people Sorry, who are going to be triggered by the word gun. Fair enough. Uh, so anyway, I can't remember what I was talking about, but uh, I was. I was interrupted. The last note I have was um, hollow-tubed hair and God's unique design Oh, for so anyway. Oh, so anyway. Okay, so we had a chicken inside for 24 hours, and I made Elise write a story about it today for her school mm-hmm. assignment just to memorialize that we had a chicken live inside for 24 um, hours. Tell, tell, your, tell our listeners what happened when she tried making a chicken in the house of the day. Oh, <laughs> so chicken of the day, chicken of the day, which I can't remember who commented also a that. It sounds item. like a menu item, but Elise just absolutely loved. So the chicken who spent 24 hours in the house and almost froze to death, her name is Beans. And our friend Hayden named Beans just for some reason decided we needed a chicken named Beans. And she, so Beans was delightful actually to have in the house. She just kind of chilled out laid down on a towel for the most part and you'd walk by and she'd be like, you know, um, it, so Elise was like, I think we should have a chicken inside all the time. This is so great. Elise is our animal lover. 
of all, I mean, all of our kids love animals, but Elise really over the top does. She's nine. And she, she was like, can we, when I bring beans out to her friends, can I bring another chicken in? And I said, that's, that's fine. We've got the setup here, all the things. It's fine. It's, it's a little bit messy, but we basically live in a barnyard anyway, based on how the kids treat our house. So what's, what's an actual barnyard animal in the house? So she brings, uh, we have a breed called Americanas. And they are supposed, some of them have the potential to lay blue eggs, which is one of the reasons JR got them. They're very cool looking. They kind of look like phoenixes in terms of their coloring. And they are far more high strung than some of the other breeds that we have. And there's one chicken that the kids of the, we have four Americanas. There's one the kids call Rogue. And you can't catch her if you're out in the, in the fenced area where we have the chickens, which is maybe like a quarter of an acre area, but you simply cannot catch Rogue. And she, I think Rogue is actually the one who chased Luna out of the area once <laughs> when I was followed me in and was checking it out because it's mice central because of all the grain and the straw and stuff. And speaking of which, our chickens killed a mouse in their coop. During this bitter cold, I think the mouse knew, like, figured out it was a source of food or a source of straw. And chickens are omnivores, guys. They will kill and eat things that they can catch that are smaller than they are. And they had hacked this mouse carcass to bits by the time I found it. Uh, anyway, so so Elise brought, it wasn't Rogue that she brought inside. It was one of the other Americanas who, I know there's one named Padme. I can't remember who else there was. Anyway, she brought one of the Americanas inside and she did not want to hang out in this little fenced pen area. And the pen is maybe what? It's not even three feet tall. That well, it's, no, it's, it's like, I feel like half. it's 18 inches tall. Maybe. Uh, it's like a higher than half. 18 inches. It comes up to like mid thigh on me. Really? Yeah. Oh, anyway, the chickens could clear that sucker. Easily. Beans even. could have, but she didn't care to. Yeah. And the whatever Americana was inside had just enough less body weight that she could basically flat footed, just jump to the top of it. And she was not inside more than five minutes before we look over and she's sitting gripping the side of this little mellow little metal crate or cage and uh eyeballing the kitchen counter. Yeah. Well not eyeballing the kitchen Ooh. counter. She she was not she was not eyeballing things. She was looking to make her escape. And Elise held her for a while and she was not comfortable being held. So Titus held her for a while, put her down back in the cage and she immediately tried to fly out, put her on the tile in the kitchen and Elise was just kind of block something off. And then she pooped on the floor and Elise was like, I'm not cleaning up chicken poop. And I was like, you, if you're going to do the chicken of the day thing, you're going to be cleaning up a lot of chicken poop. And so Elise took her back out and that ended the chicken of the day adventure so it was like 25 hours of chicken in the house 24 of it being one sweet buff orpington and uh oh okay okay cheese is burning yeah i'm making a lasagna and i've tasked titus with letting me know what how the cheese is oh and he will he is right now burnt cheese is a big deal in our house i love burnt cheese the cheese is perfect. Oh, the cheese is perfect. So it's not burning, it's perfect. Well, it depends on your definition of perfect. You and I are the type of people who like to scrape 
burnt cheese or crusty, crusty. dark cheese off of a pan when we've made nachos and the kids are like, I I don't like that cheese. And you're like, but that's the best cheese of the whole pan. We need what we need to do is is melt a whole bunch of cheese on a skillet and then just flip it and serve it just a big giant cheese disc. There's all sorts crispy of cheese disc places that do stuff like that. I know, but the kids they need to learn. They need to experience. Well, anyway, and you know and I are going to have some fantastic and lasagna. Understand the glory of crispy the glory of burnt cheese, crispy cheese. So you and I are going to have some fantastic edges from the lasagna. You and I are going to have a fantastic life when all these kids are gone. Yeah, something like that. Um, so we have about fifteen minutes before we go eat that said lasagna. Uh, maybe a little bit more, but I wanted to circle back to the fatherhood conversation because we got some pretty interesting and great feedback from a variety of sources. And I wasn't able to read like today's latest. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't closely follow it. Cause I, I have been cracking down on our kids at school. Cause I feel like we've been coasting since late November and the quality of my kids at school, his schoolwork has declined so much that I've just had to completely crack down. So we've done school this week from nine until three, which is unusual for us, but I'm checking everything that everybody does and requiring far more diligence than I normally do. And I think they're learning. I think it's, so. it's working. Oh gosh. I really actually, I, I have, so you guys, I've suspended some of our normal, it was a pre, it was a desperate times call for desperate measures sort of situation on Tuesday when I was like, all right, we're, we're actually changing course for a little bit because I was asking them to write some summaries and they wrote the older kids who are seventh and sixth grade and should know better. Each wrote a sentence fragment for where I was expecting several sentences or even a third to a half of a page of summary of a book. And I got a sentence fragment and I was like, oh, uh, you guys, your mom is a good communicator, not to, you know, toot my own horn or anything, but I know how to write. I know how to write sentences. I know how to write multiple pages at a time. And I am going to put this one on me that you guys are choosing to be, you guys are very poor communicators right now. And I am not going to let you graduate from school this month without being better communicators and so we are going to write until we are good writers and that is other than math that's all we're doing for school is we are going to write in response to everything we're going to watch a science video on youtube and then we're going to write sentences about what we learned and the quality of writing literally from like it's like my hand hurts and i'm like keep writing but the quality of writing from Monday until today has been a pretty marked improvement. I think partly because they're learning that I'm not going to let my guard down because desperate times have called for desperate measures. Uh, so anyway, I have hardly been on the Internet today because I've been focusing on making sure every single sentence has its T's dotted, T's crossed and its I's dotted. And I'm trying to be on the Internet maybe twice a day, morning and evening and then calling it good just to check in on stuff good which is hard because you know when i use it for uh community building purposes or client development or fishing ponds or whatever the case is which is how i've been using it recently 
Um, you have to interact with things. So you've kind of got to scroll the timeline and talk to people. And that can become challenging. Yep. So anyway, um, I didn't read thoroughly all of the feedback, but I had a couple of things that I wanted to comment on or clarify on. I had a couple of people privately say things to me about the dad quantity versus quality time, especially of, well, of both parents being present with kids and how it seems to me as though the overwhelming data from research says that quantity time is, there's no such thing as quality time without quantity time. I'll say it in that short summary. And I had a handful of people saying they agreed uh, with that based on their own experience and things like that. Had a handful of people say, essentially say, yes, but, and this is absolutely true, we live in a fallen world. And you can't necessarily, as a father, choose a job all the time that gives you all the time that you would desire with your kids. Oh, 100%. And so... But I thought, I mean, I, I thought we mentioned that. Yeah, but I think it's worth mentioning in, in, again. And I think with moms too, I... So there, I'm trying to remember... Oh, there was a... a um, on Instagram, I follow this account, The Dad. And mm-hmm. sometimes they post encouraging things. Sometimes they post funny, you know, parenting memes or whatever. And the, this time he was reposting something from somebody who was like, now I can, oh, who was lamenting the exorbitant cost of daycare for their kids. And they have two kids and one of them's in full-time daycare and one of them is in preschool that they're paying for. And then they have to pay for babysitting after preschool because it's a half-day preschool or whatever until the parents are available. And so they're paying... I. I want to say, according to this, which I think this person posting was on the East Coast, something like $40,000 a year in daycare costs for these two kids. And this guy was like, I'm interested in possible suggestions that people have or solutions that people have because this is so brutal on our family budget. But if you mention my, my wife not working, I will block you immediately. And... That was the, like, the what solutions she... are there that don't involve my wife quitting work? Oh, gotcha. Okay. And so, I mean, so for me, it raises a lot of questions like, what, can your wife scale back? Can you scale back? Can you work from home? Because all these people chimed in on on the dad Instagram. So he was reposting something from someone else and all these people chimed in like, the American economy right now is so flexible. It seems silly to to absolutely cut off any possibility of a parent working at least part time from home. And COVID in particular showed parents. This is one of the things that I should have mentioned also. The shift in attitude that parents have had about time that they spend with their kids, especially millennial parents. COVID showed them how much benefit there was to them being home with their kids because they were working from home and they had so much more face time that many millennial parents are looking for uh, not conventional office jobs because they don't want to give up what they gained from having time at home with their families. 
Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of millennials are very interested. They would rather have workplace flex in, in terms of benefits. They would ha- rather have more vacation or flexibility for where they work or flexibility for hours so that they can invest more time in their family. They would rather have that than more money from their company. And mm-hmm. that's both men and women. I, I still can't. Like, I mean, when I took that job at the nonprofit where we met, I remember negotiating for an extra week of vacation over, you know, over salary. Yeah. Because it was like, I... I would rather... Time off is have, way more important to me. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with two weeks of vacation. Yeah, I can't... I, yeah, I don't time. understand. I know there's a lot of people that do, and I'm not disparaging anybody that does, but, man, change that paradigm if you can. Well, you know? I, so what I'm saying is, I think like there's a recognition, first of all, that a lot of women are not necessarily emotionally suited to stay home all the time. Like they feel a gifting and a calling to be out in the workforce doing things that Mm -hmm. feel truthfully more meaningful than wiping butts all day and cleaning up a barnyard in your house, whether or not you have chickens in the house. Uh, And there are some tremendously gifted, say female doctors or teachers and things like that, where I'm thankful that they're in the workplace I so that the that post on the dad kind of struck me the rigidity of don't even mention this or I'll block you is one extreme but on the other extreme the well duh you could say $40,000 a year by your wife staying home duh is also not helpful and not productive right. I mean, as part of the conversation. Yeah. I mean it's challenging cuz you'd end up taking you know let's say she makes uh, say she makes 80,000 a year. Yeah. You save 40 but you lose another yeah. You're losing 40 net. So it's mm-hmm. like. And also you have to take into the account that as much as. Um, so I think there's a ton of data from like this gal named Christina Hoff Summers who runs a YouTube channel. I think she's now affiliated with Prager U or the American Enterprise Institute or something. Crazy. I remember having but, her as a guest on Dead Reckoning years ago. Yeah. So she's still under. She still goes by the name The Factual Feminist. And she's got all this data about how the gender wage gap is a myth and how women are actually treated. I can I can send you a video. Kana Box actually has this video on our syllabus, how so much of the gender wage gap actually is a myth. And women in America have way more freedom and privilege and opportunity than any other country any other people group at any other time in history and so women who spend all of their time whining about how women are treated are just completely missing so much opportunity and so much to be grateful for i have spoken personally to people i'm thinking there's a gal who was in my college sorority who is a journalist and she is like, they tell us we can't talk about our salary with other people, with other journalists. Come to find out, they want us to do that so we don't know. Like, it's it's to their benefit that we don't know what other people make. It's not oh, for yeah. us. Yeah. It's not for workplace morale. It's so they can, and she's like, and so we... So they can continue paying you as, really, little, really, as little as possible. And she said, it is a documented fact that regardless of the position in the newsroom, female reporters make less than male reporters. Who are doing? Who have the same amount of experience and the same amount of, um, and the same amount of skill? They're at the same level. So I'm not going to discount people like that's experience. And I'm also not going to discount, say, for this this guy who's 
you know, posting whose post was reshared on the dad. When women leave the workforce, as we talked about last week, when for, you know, what Erica Commissar advocates Mm -hmm. to work less and be present with your kids more when they're in their first three years of life, because there's some critical bonding going on there. There are a lot of women who, because of the current state of the American workforce, just can't do that. If you try to take that time off, you're starting at ground zero to start back over and you do lose, you do lose earning potential there. Not only do you lose the money that you would be making in the moment, but if, if you're starting from scratch or think about, um, the pediatrician that we had when our kids were younger, she actually had negotiated a deal where she and two other moms job shared one, one job. Which I thought was pretty cool. So three yeah. moms did one full-time pediatric position, and I thought it was great that the hospital system allowed them to do that. If she had quit, though, there's no guaranteeing that she would have, there would be a position for her when she came back after having a couple kids and staying home for three years per kid. And how does she do her continuing ed during that time? Like, there's all sorts of very real things going on to negate the, well, just be at home with your kids. You know that's what's best for them. Sort of uh, ans- glib answer I mean, I feel like, that I could feel be like, thrown out. Yeah, and I feel like, I, I mean, a part of me feels like I covered that by saying, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom needed when addressing this issue with your friends or your spouse or whomever, because there's always something else going on. Like yeah. a lot of, I mean... I'm not going to make assumptions about anybody's lifestyle choices, but a lot of America lives way beyond their means. They're ingrained in debt and they don't have the flexibility to cut back on expenses or take a pay cut or anything like that. So, I mean, there's, there's my point in saying that is generally there's a lot more going on in in somebody's situation than just simply, Oh, you need to spend more time with your kids. Go home, stay home. Go home, stay home. Yeah, precisely. No, and just the fact that we live in a fallen world, you may that may be a very deep desire that you have, but it just may not be realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a family at our church where the dad is just going to be grateful for any job. You know, he's been stressed about jobs since we started going to our church a year and a half ago. And, you know, whether he's on the road as a trucker or doing a dangerous job, his family's just grateful that he's putting food on their table at some point, Yeah, you know? And yeah. so if he's away for long hours that, you know, it is what it is and you have to trust the Lord. I guess that's where I want to end this very, very long caveat, which is, you know, God's grace is bigger than you doing the best you can in fallen circumstances because the best you can is being faithful, but it will probably still fall short. And then you just trust the Lord to do the best, to fill in, in his mercy, in your own heart, your own life, your relationship, and in your kids' lives. You trust him because none of this is a surprise to him, and none of this is beyond his ability to redeem. Yeah, and I do believe that God does call people to specific things that take them away from the house. It's just, it's how life works. I mean, yeah. if we held, if we held to a hard, rigid standard of, Hey, 
don't ever take a job that you you have to travel. Don't take a job that doesn't put you home from nine to five, you know, in the evenings type of thing. We wouldn't have, I mean, how many missionaries sacrificed entire families for? Golly. I, I'm, yeah. And I, there's a lot going on there that I'm not going to get into. I know, but like I mean, David Livingston, who kept having these kids uh, and then sending like, them back to England and stop. literally never knew some of right, them. Right, like stop it. But it's then also not... our kids just read a biography of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, he's the one I'm thinking of. No, no, he had his family with him. In China, but most of them died. There you go. <laughs> in China. That, so, and then they ended up yeah. for safety because oh, the Chinese government was starting to crack down on missionaries. They ended up for safety sending some of their kids back to England. And one of them died en route, like a seven-year-old boy died en route being sent back to England to be safe from Chinese mobs that the government was roiling up against missionaries. Uh, <laughs> I opened yeah. up a can there. Uh, point being, there's always something else going on. And I think God does call us to specific career paths through a variety of circumstances, both men and women. And it's just the nature of the world and how we live. Yeah. That said, I watched a fascinating video. It wasn't a Ted talk, but it was kind of structured like a Ted talk. I, now I can't remember the gal's name. I will dig it up and send it to JR. It's 30 minutes of her talking about the biology and the neuroscience of men becoming fathers. And I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in some of this. Like I'm very quick often to rattle off to people that when men are living with the pregnant parent of their children, their testosterone levels drop and they never you go back You just rattled this off to me last night. I know, but <laughs> I think I've, I think I've told this. I mean, that wasn't the first time I've heard that though, is what I'm saying. I've heard this multiple times and it's very important. In fact, on the, you know, our to be to flesh Canavox group last week, I was talking about this. It's very important, not only for the dynamic in the home between the father and the child, but if you think about a nation of a bunch of young men who are of an age where they should be becoming fathers and they're not, and they're not their test, their aggression, their anger, because aggression is related to anger, right? Those parts of their, their nature are not being tamped down by a drop of testosterone. Think about what's going to happen to that country. And, you know, we have a whole bunch of, I mean, we have a lot of things wrong with our society, but we have a lot of young men who are of having kids who should be fathers by now, you know, historically speaking and are not. And we have entire cities that have been burned down in the last couple of years. You know, maybe there's a relation. There's a lot more going on there, obviously. But I also think about somewhere like China, where, you know, with the one child policy for so long, there are... There's just a shortage of women for men to marry, a severe shortage. And China also happens to be a country that is trying to create bio, like biologically engineer or technologically engineer people into being superhumans, superhuman military machines. And you've got all of these young men with raging testosterone that's never been tamped down. So instead of growing up and becoming diplomats and gentlemen, they're like, turn me into a military cyborg and I will go kill all the things in my path because I have unchecked testosterone and aggression in my body. So on a national level and a cultural level, 
men becoming fathers and having a testosterone drop in their bodies and brains is very important. But it's also important, of course, in the home where, uh, so this is one, I'd never heard this take on this before from this video where she said, men use that high testosterone and the competitiveness and the aggression in finding a mate and finding a spouse. And they, they have this joy of pursuit and then they start having kids and testosterone drops and they don't have that like drive to like conquer women anymore. So they're going to settle down and they're going to stay with the one and they're going to gently raise their offspring now. And so biologically, it's just very cool how God designed that. But this video just, I mean, it was just fact after fact and many things that I'd never heard. So a lot of people have heard another one. Mom brain is a very real thing. You have children and your brain, your brain structurally changes and they have MRI proof of this. But what I've never heard is that men's brains also structurally change when they become fathers. And they, different parts of their brain become more active and actually form different synapses. And one of the parts of the brain that becomes more active is the goal orientation part of the brain. And what this gal was saying was that it's because men then are going to uh, hone in on focus on the goal of the success of their family. So rather than, you know, and I've, this is another- well, I mean, I don't, but, but see, in a I told good you, way. You mentioned this, but I told you that I'm not really a, that much of a goal oriented. I mean, I have goals, but well, I've yeah, but let me. Let, so, so there's there's data that I've been aware of for a while that men who are married uh, live longer. They are physically healthier, and part of this is. Uh, <laughs> So vigorous, low... regular sexual activity with your spouse. No, it actually has nothing to do with that, except, <laughs> oh, except shoot. that loneliness is, has the physical effect on your body of smoking one pack of cigarettes a day. And I'm not saying you have to be oh, wow. married. Yeah. It's that the, the distress to your body of being lonely is deeply, deeply hard on your body. And I'm not saying that you have to be married in order to not be lonely. And I'm also not saying that you can't be lonely within a marriage because both of those are very true things. But in a, in a healthy marriage relationship, that is a very natural safeguard against loneliness. And, um, if you are single, you, you know, you just know if you're divorced, you've never been married, you're a widow, widower, whatever it is out there, you know that you have to work harder to be in relationships that fend off loneliness than if you have a built-in partner who is collaborating with you on all sorts of life things, living under the same roof as you. It's just a fact. Um, it's easier to not be lonely when you have a life partner or a spouse, as um, we might prefer to say, <laughs> other than partner. Uh, I, whenever, I say life partner because when I was in seminary, there was a Nigerian man named Joseph and he had left his wife and his two teenage children back in Nigeria because 10th Presbyterian Church had paid for him to come over and get seminary education for a couple of years. So literally, he didn't even go back to Nigeria in the summers. And he worked as a janitor in the seminary to earn extra money, but 10th was paying for his education. And he 
he would we would have weekly prayer meetings of the people who lived in this little dormitory. There were eight men and eight women, and golly, Joseph would pray over all of the well. We were all single except for another Nigerian named Philip, and he would pray over us that God would provide us with a life partner. And I can't do Nigerian accents, but to have a godly Nigerian man praying for a life partner over you leaves like a really deep uh, psychological impression. Like I can hear him. I I know. I can hear him saying it in my brain, but I can't mimic it. But that's why I say life partner. But it also implies, you know, throw aside modern, you know, same sex stuff and that terminology. But the idea of a life partner actually brings to bear a lot of aspects of the marriage relationship that uh, seem to get lost when we're just thinking in modern American romantic terms. I I frequently come across people married, typically unmarried couples who, uh, it's very common, especially in the younger generations, meaning uh, 20-somethings, who often refer to their partner. Yeah, it's so a very it's partner. very common lingo now. But it's com- the reason but it, it always makes me feel really weird. So I'm going to see if I can make them feel really weird, and just instead of saying partner, I'm going to say life partner, and then they're going to be like, "Oh, Same how long difference. have you guys been together? Oh, 15 years. We have four kids together. Well, is she your wife? Well, she's my life partner. <laughs> I mean, it's it's different angles. Ideally, it's different angles on the same thing, I'm right? Just being and the reason you don't like the word partner is because it's been co opted. I am trolling. Well, it just doesn't sound. It it sounds like a uh, uh, a deliberately gender neutral, politically well, correct terminology. Yeah, but also like a mutual uh, contractual agreement. To because we're going the same direction. Bottom, that's what marriage is, right? We agree. Uh, uh, yes. But also there's no like, okay, when you break your contract, I'm free to leave in any capacity, you know? And it's like, okay, well, that's not really what marriage is. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. (laughs) So that's where it kind of like, I'm like, that's neat. But what happens if he decides he doesn't want to go your direction anymore than you just up and leave? Well, when you're married, you don't have that luxury. That's so Ryan Anderson refers that that to wedlock versus there are people who in our day and age who will literally use the term wed lease. Like you sign a lease for a limited amount of time and then you, after five years say, and then when the lease is up, you decide to renew or you decide to just walk away with no consequences. Wow. And so he, he says that people will, will sometimes use the phrase wed lease instead of wedlock. Huh? Never heard that before. Kind of crazy, huh? Ryan's on a whole nother level though. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, going back to, being with your partner uh when a dad becomes a dad his brain changes oh the goal oriented thing i would say that you you are because okay trying to retrace my steps with where i was going men who do not have a family and a spouse to uh orient their life toward the well-being of uh, are physically less well, live long, live, don't live as long, and have a lower net worth at the end of their lives than men who are married with family, which seems very counterintuitive, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You're spending all of your money right now, basically, mm-hmm. uh, on raising the kids. And if you think about how incredibly expensive it is just to have a grocery bill these days, let alone 
have a house big enough for a family, you know, the daycare bills, the, um, you know, the college, if you choose to go that way, the clothing budget, just keeping the kids in shoes, let alone hobbies and all the things. If you think about how much money, how much less money we would be spending if we didn't have kids, it's a little bit mind blowing to think that statistically, I'm not saying this is true for every family, but statistically speaking, historically in America, at the end of your life, you will have a higher net worth than someone who didn't have all of those expenses for raising children in their home for 18 to 22 years. And I, and it's because you have something triggered in your brain and you have new synapses when you have someone that you're like, okay, I can't just spend money on just me for the next year. I can't take the trip. I can't just buy the new pair of skis. I can't do all the things because I have to make sure that I can put food on the table and pay the mortgage for the next year. And it reorients your brain. And that's what I mean in goal setting. Like you, you, ha- you home in on what is absolutely crucial to get these children fed and clothed. Right. Uh, and it, it ultimately redounds to your well-being later off later on down the line. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what else. Oh, the other thing that struck me in this video was she was talking about how, you know, a lot of people, this is a really common thing where, you know, dad will be like, I can't go out with the guys tonight. I'm babysitting. And moms are like, you're not babysitting. They're your kids. You're just being a dad. Have you ever never heard that before? No. Oh, it's this whole thing. Maybe it's just the whole thing amongst like mommy wine drinking culture. Oh my gosh. Speaking of mommy culture, the whole Stanley Cup thing, it's just mind blowing to me. I was just on. I I don't even really even know what's going on. Stanley, I saw something come through my threads feed where Stanley responded with. No, somebody said you want a pink. Here's your pink. Oh, no, it was a Starbucks thing, wasn't it? Starbucks started know. it, and then Stanley came back and said, "Okay, here's a pink mug," and everybody thought it was great. Well, so Stanley, like, it's gotten taken off with mommy culture, women, and even like younger girls. Like at Elise's birthday party, two girls showed up with Stanley mugs or knockoff Stanley mugs at the trampoline park. Uh, so Starbucks, not Starbucks, Target partnered with Stanley to do a limited release Valentine's pink Stanley mug. New color. Literally just a new color. And people were, it was like like Black Friday. Women are like literally clawing over each other when the doors opened, knocking each other down, fighting over the last mug on the shelf. And then and then people are, I was just on Facebook Marketplace looking for jerky cannons. They're now reselling the ones that they were able to get for a hundred and twenty-five bucks. It's the same. It's the same crowd that wears Carhartt hats. Probably a lot of overlap. And, <laughs> and they drink wine, spice punk spice lattes, and they drinks fill their wine. Stanleys and with wine. Anyway, makes fun. You know, makes fun of being drunk on Instagram, day drunk on Instagram because they're they're moms. Yeah, their kids drive them to drink. Uh, so so that same subset generally speaking of women this you know the ones we can stereotype that they're all white will also get upset with a dad who will say that he who will use the phrase babysitting for watching his own kids and so what are you doing 
He's like flipping his wrists, like limp wristing his fist. Oh, his sorry. Wrist. No, I had some pain on my wrist, oh. and then I was just kind of like holding oh. it there. Because you're 44. It felt kind of weird and have it balanced, and yeah, I just, I don't. So gosh, Jared's falling hurts. apart, you guys. Sometimes he <sighs> just like puts a piece of gum in his mouth and is paralyzed by pain from his bicep, torn bicep tendon. I had an MRI this week. I'll have, we'll look at the MRI, see what's going on on Tuesday. So anyway, so so there's all that to say. There's a culture of women who get very screechy about men talk using the word <laughs> babysitting to refer to their own kids because they're like it's not babysitting it's just being a dad and if mom can be a, has to be a mom and stay home with her kids sometimes and watch them dad can be dad and stay home with his kids and watch them which i i understand it's not babysitting when it's your own kids uh i don't understand so, what the deal is with terminology it, so so funny. she so this in this this gal in the video and i wish i knew off the top of my head what her name was because then i wouldn't just be saying this gal becky no I no say sorry we're like, not talking about wine drinking culture we're talking about british it's like mim or something oh uh she says that not only is dad's presence with young children so dads often especially when babies are very young kind of get written out of the picture just because you are not physically as necessary for keeping the baby alive nope not even kind of and baby actually prefers mom's soft skin uh soothing voice baby who has been living inside mom's belly for nine months and feels like you know is used to the way mom walks and the way mom talks and the way mom moves herself and mom's heartbeat and mom's unique smell which is apparently an internal and an external thing so when baby comes out, babies like I can identify their moms by smell, I, like almost instantly when they're born. They can identify mom's voice, their uh, their brain waves, their nervous system, their heart rate, their breathing will when they are skin to skin with mom will align to mom. And uh, this is all very well documented stuff. Why babies need to be in physical contact with mom. Uh Dads are just not quite as necessary, as obviously necessary during that time. But she says, don't discount, though, how incredibly necessary dads are. And this is where when you got home from Judah last night, I had that screen frozen mm -hmm. on the screen. And uh, it wasn't just it wasn't actually deliberate that I was going to make a point to there. That was the how far I'd gotten in the video before you guys all started coming in from Judah. But I'm going to see if I screen saved it. So, you guys, this is I did snap a picture of it on my phone because it was so striking to me. I knew that some of this was true. I knew that a child's, a young child's, we're talking three, four, five, preschool, kindergarten age, when kids are starting to develop language, their vocabulary depends less on mom, on mom's intelligence, mom's education level, mom's involvement than it does on dad's. So an involved dad, and there's there's a hypothesis behind this, which is moms will tend to baby talk to kids, and dads just talk to them normally and build their vocabulary by just talking to a small kid like a normal human being, where mom's brain is attuned to understanding and uh, connection, and dads are like just push the pushing the limit in a good way, and so dad talking to kids actually builds vocabulary. In a way that mom's talking to kids does not. I did not realize all of the things. So when kids are entering, starting to enter school age, uh, 
dads, and this is regardless of socioeconomic status, education status, race, controlling for all of these things, a dad's involvement in a kid's life will affect their language, their working memory, their inhibitory control, which is like self-control, attention span, executive function, which is planning things out, and then following that plan and stimulation of development. So all of that hinges more on dad than it does on mom, huh. which is just... There you go. Kids need a mom and a dad. Well, they do. And what, what she points out regularly is that... And she's she actually... This gal is not making the case that kids need a mom and a dad because she actually makes a couple of allowances for kids being raised mm-hmm. by same-sex parents. And interestingly enough, like in the... Uh, a, um, in a same-sex couple, some one always assumes the more maternal role and one right. always assumes the more paternal role. And the one assuming the role that doesn't align with their sex will actually ha- experience some brain changes as their actions are aligning more with uh, the actions of the opposite sex. Hmm. Uh, so she's like, so evolution, we're adapting to this great new social plate world that we're in. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> this is, that is not the point because they're only adapting so far. But but aside from those a couple of sides that she makes in the video, she very <clears throat> much makes the point that that the complementarity of what mom and dad have to offer the kids is extremely crucial in a child's development. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I. That's all, I guess. Yeah, we're at well over an hour at this point. Oh. So, um, past the point Titus, we're supposed we to. We're past the point we're supposed to eat our lasagna. Uh, well, thanks to Titus, we don't have burnt lasagna. It's just sitting there, and the cheese is setting up inside. Nice. Makes nice. It well, you guys, we've mentioned quite a few things on the show. As I said at the beginning, uh, those links will be in the show notes. Uh, along with a link to our Telegram group, if you too want to participate in the conversation, start a new conversation and meet some really fun new people. That would be our private Telegram chat group. If you'd like to get a hold of us in another way, uh, you can do so on our website, www.toobusytoflush, all grammatically correct, .com, or tb, the number 2f.com. Go there, scroll down, send us a postcard on our website. While you're there, don't forget to check out the Swag Shack and pick yourself up a Butter is Make Everything, Butter Makes Everything Better, um, or a People Are Weird and Hard shirt, or mug, or apron, or whatever you want. We've got a few different options there. We've got some bullet journals uh, that are pretty cool, and uh, you can do that. Thanks to the, thanks to the previous buyer who picked up a um, Live in Truth t-shirt. Appreciate that. And we do thank you for your support. The biggest support you can give us, obviously, is on iTunes. Click over there and leave us a review. Feeds the algorithms. Let's uh, iTunes know we're still around and relevant and uh, puts us into people's suggested feeds. Always a big deal. We do not, at this time, take any support money from you guys. And I don't uh, intend to, nor do I intend to do any subscription-only special content. Thought about it briefly, but... So don't have the time and the energy to do that. And um, we're all good. Everybody's happy here. So um, <laughs> I think you're happy. I'm happy. Uh, the marketplace is getting challenging. We're all watching our pocketbooks. 
and all the things. So that said, you guys, we are a weekly podcast and we will try to be, we're inconsistently, we're weak. We're consistently weekly. We try to be a weekly. Inconsistently on when we do it during the week, but we try to get it done once a week. So uh, with that in mind, we will hope to see you guys next week. Molly, do you have any final words? Because I've got to end the show with you talking. Uh, let's go eat some lasagna.